Now, what do you pray about? What do you pray about? Have you ever done a stock check of what you pray about? Have you ever thought through what things come up in your prayers a lot and what things rarely come up or maybe never come up in your prayers? It's a revealing question. What do you pray about? It tells you what matters to you. It tells you what doesn't matter to you because you don't ever pray about it or hardly ever do. It tells you what you what you feel needy about. I need God for this. It tells you what things you feel confident about. You can sort them out. You don't need God for them. If the answer is you don't pray, well, that tells you about yourself. It tells you you don't believe in God as the Bible and Jesus set him to be, our Father in heaven. You can't believe he's that and not pray to him. What do you pray about? Have a think about that sometime. We're learning from the prayer Jesus taught his disciples that's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, it could be called the Disciples' Prayer because Jesus didn't pray it. He taught his disciples to pray it. And you'll find it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. If you like to, you could turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Although we're only considering four words from it, so it's pretty easy to remember. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says... This is Jesus speaking. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We started this last week with our Father in heaven. The most important truth to get hold of about prayer is it's to our Father in heaven. Today we're on the first request in the prayer. Hallowed be your name. There is a request to compare with what you pray for. So as you ask yourself, what do I tend to pray for? Compare it with what Jesus puts first in his prayer. Hallowed be your name. Does it show a a revolution is needed in your attitude? Now, I want to consider what this request teaches us in three sections this morning. Here's the first one. The revolution we need. That Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, shows there's a revolution we need. Now, it used to be thought that planet Earth was at the centre of the universe and everything went round it. That's what most people thought. So, they looked at the sun going up in the morning and going down in the evening. They thought, there we are, planet Earth is at the centre and clearly the sun goes round it. And all those other things go round it that we see in the sky. Everything goes round the Earth at the centre. And then in 1530, a man called Nicholas Copernicus published his discovery that actually it's the other way round. And the earth goes round the sun. Us humans are not the centre. We're one of various planets going around the sun at the centre. It was a revolution in thinking. And it got called the Copernican Revolution because of Nicholas Copernicus. And it was a shock to learn. Humans are not at the centre of everything. Who's at the centre of your life? Who comes first in your life and in your prayers? Jesus showed that we need a Copernican revolution. We need a complete turnaround in terms of who's at the centre. 
We need to change from self at the centre to God at the centre. And he showed it by the structure of this prayer. If you've got Matthew 6 in front of you, just have a look at the structure of the prayer for a moment. Who are the first three requests about? Matthew 6 verse 9, you're speaking to our Father in heaven, to God. And the first three requests are, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Notice the first three, it's all your, 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 it's all about God. It's not until the fourth request that we get us. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation. But that waits. Yes, Jesus said you can pray for yourself and you must. But that can wait until after you've prayed for God. He comes first. Jesus showed the the revolution we need by the structure of the prayer, but also by the first request. What's the first request? What comes first in this prayer? Hallowed be your name. Jesus said, first priority before anything else, first priority is, hallowed be your name. Now, we better have a think about what that means. Hallowed. Hallowed. It's not a word used much in our society. If you put your mind to it, you might be able to think of some examples. Children, here's one I've noticed. I'm sure you've been to Bradgate Park, haven't you? You go to Bradgate Park, go up to Old John, and then turn right along the top of the hill. You go through a patch of trees, and then what do you get to up on the next hill along? A war memorial. Now, children, have you ever been to that war memorial in Old John and seen on each side of it there is a sign? Four signs in all, and it says this is hallowed ground. Or it might say this is holy ground, I can't remember which, but the word means the same thing. Hallowed means holy. What does it mean when it says there, on each side of the sign, remember this is hallowed ground? It means it's special. It means it's to be treated differently. It means don't play football there and kick your ball against the war memorial. Don't have a picnic on the steps. Don't let your dog do its mess on it. It's different. It's to be treated as special. It's to be treated differently. And it's easy to see that hallowed is connected with respect and honour. Treat it with respect and honour because it is different. It is special. That's what this hallowed means. So our society doesn't use the word hallowed much. There are a few other examples. If you're a Welsh rugby supporter, you might refer to the hallowed turf of Cardiff Arms Park. It's special because of who's played there. It's to be treated with respect and honour. So our society occasionally uses the word hallowed, but we do know about honour and respect. That's familiar. When Nelson Mandela died a few years ago, most agreed he should be given honour and respect. And even if you didn't agree with him, well, just be careful how you talk about him around the time of his death. Show some honour and respect. We know about honour and respect. And we are keen and keen on honour and respect for ourselves, aren't you? Keen on honour and respect for yourself? 
Even a person who shrinks from getting attention. Maybe you think, no, I'm not. I, I don't like any attention. I shrink back from getting attention. Isn't that so often because we're a bit nervous? What will others think of me? I might look silly. What are others going to think of me? So I shrink back from attention. But do you see, even then, your concern is, what do others think of me? It's a matter of honour and respect. In other words, we care about our reputation. Now, that isn't wrong. It's not wrong. Don't beat yourself up about it. In fact, if you meet someone who doesn't care about their reputation, they're usually pretty unpleasant and to be avoided. It's not wrong. What is wrong is we care about our reputation far more than about God's reputation. What is wrong is when the person at the centre of our thinking is us, not God. It's all about me. What others think about me. Not about God and the honour of his name. So, do you need a Copernican revolution? Do you need completely change around your idea of who's at the centre of your life? I want to show that it is just wrong when we care more about our honour than God's honour. I want to show that it is just wrong. I'll try to do it with an illustration. Children, do you know what special event happened in 2012? There's a couple of answers. I think it was the Olympics, actually. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? The Olympics. But that's not what I'm thinking of. The thing to think is, it's 10 years ago. And 2022 was the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. So 2012 was the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. And one of the less well-known events, but one of the more important events for the Queen's Diamond Jubilee was at Westminster Hall in the Houses of Parliament. And they got together the members of the House of Lords and the members of the House of Commons for the Queen to speak to them. She was going to speak to them and it's all part of honouring her having been Queen for 60 years. Now, John Burko, the Speaker of the Commons, he was given an honourable role. He was to introduce the Queen. That's an honourable role, but the point wasn't his honour. The point was he was to introduce the Queen so then she could speak and she would get the honour. But the problem is, now I've got to be careful here of not slandering someone. So I'm going to say how it appeared. I can't say for sure this is how it was. But how it appeared was, instead of being satisfied with that role, John Burko made it all about him. And he spoke in a way that was centred on him, and he spoke for longer than the Queen got to speak. She didn't get all that long. She got less time than him by the time he'd gone on about things that were rather self-focused. Now, I've got to be careful. Don't want to be sued by John Burko. I'm just saying that's how it looked. It very much looked like that. Did people think highly of John Burko for that? No, they didn't. They looked down on him and complained about him. Did people pity the Queen because she missed out? Poor old Queen missing out, won't get any honour. No, of course not. She will get the honour. It's her diamond jubilee. There was no doubt she would get the honour. But it was just wrong. This is what caused the annoyance. It was just wrong for someone else to try to make that event about him and to get the honour for him. Now, do you see us humans there? Do you see you there? 
God has given us humans the the immensely honourable role of representing him in his world. By the way, that's what that was about, the picture for the children, the little man on the top representing God. But wait for next week's children's talk. We've got this immensely honourable role of giving God honour as his representatives. But instead, we try to turn life into all about us. Our honour, our reputation, our status, us at the centre. Should we pity God? Poor old God, he's not getting much attention. Poor old God, he's not, he's being dishonoured. He's going to lose out, isn't he? No, no, definitely not. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's not going to miss out. He's not to be pitied. But it is just wrong. It is just wrong for anyone to try to usurp God's place at the centre of life. Because he is God. And he made us and everything. And he's the king. And he's worshipped by angels. He keeps the universe going now at this moment. And his character is worthy of worship. Ours isn't. He simply should be at the centre, not us. So do you see? Do you see? Our problem isn't just a sin here or there. I remember once in a youth group who were going through the Ten Commandments and this 15-year-old girl said, oh yes, I sinned once. About three years ago I told a lie. I actually got the wrong idea. Because our problem isn't just a sin here or there. It is a wrong attitude towards God that puts us at the centre and him at the periphery, him at the edge. We've got who's at the centre of life completely the wrong way round. We need a revolution. Here's the second thing I want to tell you. This is all about hallowed be your name. I hope you can see that it is all about that. Hallowed be your name. Second thing, how the revolution happens. How the revolution happens. Now, it's easy to show you ought to put God first and that you ought to honour him. I hope you've seen that. It's, It's pretty easy to show you ought because he's God. It's another matter to have that as the concern of our hearts. It's easy to say, let's pray the Lord's Prayer and we ought to. It's a different matter to have. What I want to pray for is, hallowed be your name. To know we should pray, it is different from caring about whether God's name is hallowed. How can this revolution happen? Here's an example. If you drive through France to the Alps, there is a point on the motorway as you're driving towards the Alps where, and from my memory, it seemed to sort of almost suddenly happen, the Mont Blanc range of mountains comes into view. And it is a stunning sight. It would almost take your breath away as the road bends round and you see the Mont Blanc range of mountains in front of you. Absolutely stunning sight. Awesome to take your breath away. Now, you can know from me telling you that that you ought to be amazed at it. But to be yourself amazed at it, you've got to go and see it. And not on a computer screen or a photo. You've got to go and see the actual thing. If you are going to be amazed at it, you've got to see it for yourself. Now, to move from, I ought to pray, hallowed be your name, to actually, I want God to be honoured, 
You need God to reveal himself to you. That's what you need, God to reveal himself to you. And that's what name is about. Notice it says, hallowed be your name. This isn't just about caring when people misuse God's name, which we should. Children, I expect at school you hear people misusing God's name, using God's name as if it was just a swear word. That should upset us. We should care about it, and we most certainly should not do it. But it isn't just about that. You see, name represents God's revelation of who he is. Name represents God revealing what he's like. The Old Testament is full of this. There are so many places we could have read where God's name is revealing who he is. So he says, my name is, I am who I am. What sort of name is that? I am who I am. It says, I am self-sufficient. I am independent. I am accountable to no one. I'm unlike anyone else. I just am. Wow. And yet, he then says, and my name is the Lord our shepherd. This I am also cares for people like like a shepherd caring for sheep. And then he says, and my name is the Lord our righteousness. I provide goodness for people who have no goodness. And his name is the Lord of the armies of heaven. There is unimaginable power, mysterious power. And we could go through this. Well, we couldn't because it would take too long. There are so many names revealing God. Here's one of the best examples of God's name being about revealing who he is, is this. We were going to read it, but but we didn't, because there are so many places we could read. Exodus 33 and 34. I would suggest not turning to it now, because I'm just going to describe it, not read it. In Exodus 33, Moses says to God, show me your glory. God says to Moses, actually, you can't see my glory. It would destroy you. It would kill you. You can't see my glory but I will proclaim my name to you. Notice that. He says, I will tell you my name, who I am. And so he told Moses, I am the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, Maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness and sin, but certainly not leaving guilt unpunished. You see, God said, I'll tell you my name and that will show you who I am and what I'm like. What was Moses' reaction? Was Moses' reaction, I ought to say the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name. I ought to worship God. No, his reaction was, it says... uh, He just immediately bowed down and worshipped. Because God had made himself known that got to his heart. And it just almost became instinctive. Worship. Honour. Now, all those Old Testament names, and even what happened to Moses, were just like a black and white outline drawing, compared with the full revelation in all its glorious colour of what God is like, which you get when you come to Jesus. You see, God said to Moses, you can't see me, but I'll tell you my name. You get to when Jesus came, 
And John's Gospel, chapter 1, says, no one's seen God, but his one and only Son has made him known. And we saw his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. To get that God must be honoured, you've got to see God in Jesus. Just like to get that wow about Mont Blanc, you've got to go and see it for yourself. To get that God must be honoured, he must be honoured, you've got to see God in Jesus. And especially see God in Jesus on the cross. Because John said we saw his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now I mean in the Bible, see what happened at the cross. See what Jesus was showing about God as he died on the cross. He was showing he's full of truth. He will not change his standards. He will not lower them. He will not pretend that we're better than we are. But he's full of grace. He will give himself so we could be forgiven. He will give himself so we can be welcomed. The revolution happens inside you when you discover how Jesus shows what God is like. So, we've had the revolution you need, we've had how the revolution happens, thirdly, and much more briefly, a joyful revolution. It's a joyful revolution. Now, when you heard you need a Copernican revolution, when you heard you need to put God first, not self first, that might have sounded bad news. That might have sounded a bit miserable. After all, you care about you, don't you? You want to be happy, don't you? I do. I think we all do. But the funny thing is, putting God first is a joyful thing. I've noticed it when singing. Have you noticed this? If I'm thinking about me enjoying the singing, I probably won't. If I'm thinking about God should be praised, I normally do. If I'm thinking about, do I like this song or do I not, don't generally enjoy it, because it's all about self. If I'm thinking, here are words about the honour of God and he should be praised enthusiastically by this group of people, well, I lift up my voice and I tend to enjoy it. You see, the funny thing is putting God first is a joyful thing. Let's, let's try to illustrate it. Let's think about some people giving honour. Harry Kane and Son Kyung Min. I don't know if I pronounced his name rightly. Do you know who they are? Harry Kane and Son... Uh, let me get it right. Son Hyung Min. They're footballers for Tottenham. They are they're strikers, they're attackers. And if you watch them playing, wow, they're so good. And, and the way that they pair and partner together and the goals they score, they're amazing. Harry Kane and Son Hyung Min. I am giving them honour, but I'm doing it a bit grudgingly. I'm not doing it joyfully because I'm an Arsenal supporter. (laughs) And in case you don't know, Arsenal and Tottenham are bitter enemies. So I'm giving them honour, but not very joyfully, a little grudgingly. Now, when England fans were at the Euros final a few weeks ago, watching the Lionesses win... Were any of them thinking, I'll give the team some honour, but I'm being really self-denying here. Yes, I'll give them some honour, but I wish I was somewhere else. 
but I'll be good, I'll be a good loyal supporter and I'll give them some honour. What a self-denying person I am. No, surely not. They enjoyed giving honour to the team. They enjoyed celebrating their victory. They enjoyed putting the attention on the team that they were supporting because it was their team. Because they thought in some way they shared in the honour. Now, how much more should we enjoy and delight in God having all the honour, in putting him first, in having him at the centre? How much more? Because we're not just in his team. We're in his family. The one whose honour we're praying for is our Father. Well, again, it all depends on Jesus. Are you in his family? Is he your Father? It all depends on Jesus. You weren't born into his family. You only get into his family if your trust is in Jesus. If you have seen what the cross means, if you have seen that grace, he did it all for me and it's all free, and that truth, I'm a sinner who didn't deserve it, and so I'm going to trust in Jesus. And then in Jesus, he's your father and you're in his family. And Jesus says, this is amazing, the Bible ends with this, Jesus says he's going to give you his name, which means he's going to share with you all that belongs to him, including his honour. This revolution in attitudes is a joyful revolution. Now, I haven't gone into specifics of what to pray. I don't know what you were expecting from this sermon. I haven't gone into specifics about what to pray for when we pray, hallowed be your name. Because more important is that we have this revolution. So we really pray, hallowed be your name. And I reckon if you have that revolution... And if you have that attitude, I reckon we can, we can work out and you can, you can put some thought into and work out how you pray for God's honour. How you pray for your life to honour God and your family to have God at the centre and for your church to have that it, that it has a sense of who God is and his name is treated as holy and for our society to stop blaspheming God and instead fear God. And for more people to believe him and so give him honour. And you'd realise this is a prayer for Jesus to come back because that's the ultimate time God's name will be hallowed. And above all, you'll be praying, Father, glorify your Son because it's through him that your name is hallowed. I think you can figure that out all for yourself. Once you've got this attitude, this revolution, God at the centre.